You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, and welcome to CMO Moves. I am super pumped for today's episode because I have here with me Minjay Orm, CMO of Visible. And for those of you who don't know Visible, they are the first all-digital wireless carrier in the U.S., and they're powered by Verizon. Hi, Minjay. Welcome to CMO Moves. Hello, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I've been excited to have you on the show um, for quite a while, so glad we could make this work. And Tell us a little bit about where you are now. You're you're based in Denver, right? Yes, indeed. Is that is that I'm home Colorado. for you? No, I'm a little bit of a nomad. I moved here for for my current job from San Francisco, and prior to that, I was on the Bay Area for about seven years. Then back on the East Coast, and I'm, I just move around a lot. <laughs> so, how are you like in the country, Colorado, or more in the city? Oh no, girl, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in the city. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a city girl through and through. So even when we move to like not as crowded area, I'm like, I need to be closer to the city. <laughs> so I'm like ten minutes from uh, downtown. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, and I'm sure the country's not far. I mean, we always love seeing Nadine's 
pictures of her backyard, the landscape. Very, I mean, it's just gorgeous there. So, um, awesome. Well, so let's talk about you, Minjay. You are going on three years next month, right? As CMO of Visible. Exciting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't believe it's already been three years. It seems like just the other day I was learning about this new exciting brand called Visible. So prior to that, you were at YouTube for almost Mm -hmm. seven years. Mm -hmm. How did the opportunity to join Visible even come up for you? Tell us about that and like what made you want to take on the role? Yeah. um, So the journey I had at YouTube was incredible because the seven years or the nearly seven years I spent was such an evolution in the business model. And therefore I got to be a part of that, right? And change my jobs like every six months to a year and experience just different parts of the business and different ways of doing marketing also. And so towards the end of my career there, I really wanted to be thoughtful about what do I do next? Um, So I had a ton of conversations with my managers at the time within YouTube and lots of folks at Google, but also sort of the usual suspects in Silicon Valley, trying to think about what else is out there and how do people think about the different opportunities and what is my value? What is my worth? And trying to look up and out a little bit from the days where I was really heads down. Um, And one of the things that I realized in those conversations is that for some reason (laughs) I was ready for more, meaning ready to take on a bigger chance on myself, ready to take on a bigger risk and just go for something bigger that I could be a part of and really drive um, impact for the business. And when I put that as the top of my list of of the priorities of things that I was looking for, it helped me to see uh, opportunities that were outside of sort of the usual suspects, meaning I could have probably gone to any number of companies in the area or in in tech that were adjacent to YouTube in in their product or the experience or the brand and had another great run at the career. Um, But because at the time, what I really wanted was trying something new, um, bring everything that I've learned up to that day to an opportunity that required me to think about the end-to-end experience And most importantly for Visible, by the time this conversation got started as a potential opportunity, um, it had a lot of newness to it. Um, A business model like this has never been done before in the United States. It's a startup within the Fortune 15 company, the opportunity to start a whole new team from ground up, but most importantly, to have a seat at the table at the business level to impact the culture and how we do things. So all of that coming together with the sort of the introspection and the conversations that I've had is how it made sense for me to say yes to this opportunity really quickly. And, you know, I, I wonder how, if you can remember, um, well, it was only three years ago. Sure, you can remember this. <laughs> um, was there a moment of like, how did you assess it? I hear, you know, we talk a lot about um, mm. assessing a new role. Some people do pros and cons lists. Some people say mm-hmm. it was a gut feeling. I just ran with it. Like, what was it for you? Yeah, the most important thing I learned through that process was to be comfortable with my own set of criteria for myself as to what I wanted and needed um, most out Mm -hmm. of the next job, which again was maximizing the impact to value equation, meaning what can I bring to the table that 
the business would appreciate the most in, in the sum of all of my skills and experiences. And therefore for them to be able to give me a chance at taking a big shot at something that I haven't done before. And for me, this is the first CMO role. So looking at, at how that would stack up from what were the opportunities and how do the businesses think about this role and ultimately what could I bring to the table Sometimes it, it went a little bit outside of the boundaries of kind of what people think are the next, you know, right move or the natural move or even like cool move. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as marketers, we think about that, like, is that is that the kind of thing I should be doing next? And, and sometimes what people like kind of give you advice for or make you think that you should do is a little bit apart from what I thought that the time that I needed to do. And so kind of constantly calibrating against that list of like, you know, is it the scope? Is it the industry? Is it the product? What is really the opportunity and be able to evaluate that against my own set of criteria versus mm-hmm. um, measuring it against other people's criteria was was a really hard but rewarding process. And so becoming more, I suppose, confident and anchored in what I think I can do best and what I can deliver for businesses. And therefore that being the primary criteria of how I think about opportunities. That makes a lot of sense. And when you, when you think about you first setting out in your career, I mean, was CMO always on the, like, that's the bullseye CMO or no. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's, it's surprising to me still sometimes that, that I am, in this seat and I get to do this job. You know, my career kind of goes back to the days when I was in graduate school and I had gone to NYU for film studies because I love movies. And um, I just wanted to use that, the subject matter of what I really love to go deeper into how do you think about, you know, very like esoteric visual theories and how do you write well and think well. And coming out of that experience, what I learned about myself was that I do really love school. But while I was in school, I also got to work at Tribeca Film Festival. So I was exposed to the commercial side of how do you think about what you really love doing, but do it in the commercial setting. And that energy at the time, you know, two years after 9-11, people really being there because they wanted to and they had a purpose and they've revisited kind of everything about their life priorities and, and doubled down on why they wanted to be there. That really opened my eyes to how rewarding it is to be part of a community of people who are doing something because they really, really believe in it. Um, and, and so coming out of graduate school, I, I wanted to vaguely had this idea that I, I wanted to put those interests and skill sets in, in some sort of a business setting, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was going to be necessarily marketing or advertising. Um, and so I, I tempt, I took like temping jobs for six months so that I can make money, but, but waited, held out for something that I didn't know at the time was going to be the job that would let me do it, which at the time was um, an account lead role at an agency and got to work with a lot of studios, entertainment clients. And so it became another way for me to bring what I love doing into a business setting. Um, but that's sort of been, you know, the, the through line of my career, which is to say, 
the people around me who got to know me well, sometimes even better than myself, or who opened the doors to things that I didn't think that I would be able to do. Um, and that's that's how it all kind of unfolded. But I, I would have never said when I was growing up that like marketing, advertising, let alone the CMO is something that I would be doing. Well, it's funny, your, your entertainment, both interest and background explains a lot of the strategy that you've put in place over the past couple of years with Visible and and how you guys have approached it from a really, really cool experiential perspective. So it's making sense to me now. Um, Yes, it's all working out now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I want to take us back to your early days. We just had a very special episode of CMO Moves featuring Mm -hmm. Nadine Dietz and Musa Tariq and Vineet were the Mm co-hosts on that. Musa said something very interesting um, that jumped out to me. He said, whenever I ask people to tell me about themselves, they typically start with kind of the, oh, well, I graduated with, Mm -hmm. and he said, instead of starting further back, when you think about the first 20 years of your life, Mm -hmm. pretty critical to your foundation. I thought that was so interesting because he's so spot on. We we naturally (laughs) kind of start with the the professional part. So go go back, go back a little bit, even further. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your upbringing and any critical moments that you can look at now and say, wow, that, that really had an impact on where I am today. Yeah. 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 Um, that resonates with me because when I talk to people, I actually go all the way back to when I was like 13. Like, <laughs> Why are you telling me about 13 year old Minjan? I'm like, I, I swear there's a point to it. There's, there's a through line. Um, <clears throat> so I was born and raised in Korea and um, I, I never left Seoul. So this is, this goes back to my earlier comment about being a city gal. Um, and I moved to Vancouver, Canada when I was 13 years old. Um, the kind of the unusual aspect of my family making that move was I wanted to move. Um, when I was younger, I had seen a lot of my cousins who were born and raised in the States um, sort of grow up in ways that seemed different. They felt different. And again, I was a very good student in Korea and I got all the good grades and whatnot. But for some reason, that um, track of success felt a little bit singular and almost hollow. And and even though I was good at it, I it didn't really feel like everything that I could be doing. And so you know, we as family started having some conversations and, and we had some family already in the States, but um, Ultimately, my dad was more familiar with Vancouver as a scene because he was an architect who had traveled to a lot of these cities that has ski resorts and it has his biggest project being a ski resort in Korea. So he he ultimately decided, well, okay, we're going to go to Vancouver. And, and so that's where we moved. And, and so I remember the day that we, we landed in Vancouver, which was the day before Halloween. And, you know, I just remember our neighbors kind of telling us about what that was. And I was like, what? Like, this is amazing. Like, you go to other people's houses and they give you candy. (laughs) So the only thing that I could say was trick or treat or thank you. And I had a six-year-old brother at the time. And so we just like cobbled together a costume and went around, introduced ourselves. We had a bag of candy and that was kind of the beginning of my immigrant journey. You're Um, like, I made the right decision. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like, this is great. Like it was, it was already so much better. Um, And, and I think when I think about that, and so I spent uh, three, four years in Vancouver in high school 
and then ultimately came down to the States for college. Um, and that those were, you know, really exciting, but also hard years, you know, being 13 is hard everywhere. And I didn't speak the language and I didn't know the culture. I went to a high school where, you know, most folks kind of grew up together from they were kindergarten. And so trying to figure out fitting in was really hard. Um, And I think that's kind of how it initially then opened my eyes to, well, there are other ways that you can try to relate to people like math or music Mm -hmm. and, and film. It taught me to pay attention a lot more to kind of cues, social cues that were outside of what people were saying, like, how are they dressed or what's the tone? And there are a lot of different things that were happening around the conversation or around the social setting that that became important to me as to how I ultimately figured out which circles, how do I fit in and where do I sit? So I, I think some of that still plays a role in how I think about marketing in the first place of like, the consumer insights and all the things that we talk about is it comes from kind of the 13 year old me of like, how do you figure out connecting with people, even Mm -hmm. when you maybe don't have on the surface um, the connection points that are really obvious to Hmm. you. Uh, You know, when we had our DEI summits last Mm -hmm. year that you participated in the first one for the Asian American community, and we just had that town hall, it was incredible. One of the biggest things that I related to was that notion of assimilation and feeling Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we don't realize that the impact it has on you in the long term when that was just what you did. I'm curious how though, you just exude such confidence and talk about being yourself unapologetically. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that, how you go from that assimilating 13 year old to the confident, this is me. I I think it's, it's a little bit of a cycle of like doing and undoing learning and unlearning um, where, you know, even if you were not necessarily making huge changes in your life, like moving to a different country, we all change as people. I had to learn how to um, almost mimic and be like other people around me in order to fit in and have a shared vocabulary and the social language and and the behavior to to feel like I belong somewhere. Um, And then I just remember going off to college and feeling this like, freedom sense of like burden kind of lifting off and like, Oh, new face, like start over. And now you get to actually in a, in a place where nobody knows the fact that you used to take ESL classes and you had just, you know, arrived this this country as, as whole new person. And I think that's happened over and over again, like after college and graduate school, moving to New York city and getting a new job, like all of these things put you in a new situation where you get to kind of, think about what is it about myself that I want to continue to bring out. So now the concept of belonging is more about like being yourself and and be different instead of before it was more of a survival skill. But I think none of that would be possible, frankly, um, without the people in my life, because mm-hmm. if, you know, there weren't enough people around me who made me feel like, oh, yeah, like, we're totally cool with the way you are. And so that I think is ultimately what fuels sort of, you know, what you described as the confidence part of it is like, I feel comfortable being surrounded by people who let me be who I am. That's awesome. 
So let's dive into all the awesome things you're doing at Visible. What are you, what are you working on now that has you super, super pumped? Yeah. Um, so the, the difference of how Visible has grown up in, in our category, which is telecommunications, is um, we thought about from day one, how do we bring our members with us in, in the good, bad, ugly, the, the mistakes that we make and, and the celebrations that we will do. And their feedback has been so valuable in how we think about not only the marketing campaigns, but how we then feed those insights back to the business to think about how we build our product. And one of the things that we realized along the way was that a lot of folks were using the traditional family plans to save money. So, you know, people who used to like date each other and they don't want anything to do with each other except for their phone bills. Um, And so looking at that insight and talking to a lot of those folks, we wanted to be able to give them a way to save money on our plans too, but maybe it wasn't the same old way. And so our version of the group plan ended up being what we call party pay. So if you and I, Heidi, had each of our visible plan, we would uh, link up our plans. We don't share our account data. We don't share the unlimited data. And so we still be able to manage our own accounts and and save money by linking our parties. And we could even actually name it something fun. Um, And so recently in the past six to eight weeks or so, we built on top of that one more time, which was that people were gravitating towards um, Facebook and Reddit forums where they were creating their own communities to figure out how to create parties to save money outside of their, you know, friends or family. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, they're like total strangers who are on visible (laughs) parties together to save money. And so the first thing that we did was we uncapped the number of people who can be part of a a party. So it used to be up to four people. And now, you know, um, it's been about, like I said, about three three weeks or four weeks um, since launch. And we have one group that is uh, one party that's like a thousand people. No way. (laughs) And then dozens of others that are like 50 to 100 and they're, you know, like coming together as Jeep lovers or or uh, alumni of certain colleges or whatever. And so these like passion and interest communities are coming together to form parties and that is on, so on cool. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's giving us a lot of things to think about and like, okay, like what else can we do with this that actually taps into what people are already doing? Um, so we'd also introduce um, our, our referrals program that reintroduces our product as wireless service that gets better with friends. And so the premise of it is, okay, if people are already bringing each other into these parties and now that you're here, if you bring more people into visible as new members, then every person you bring in your um, next month's bill goes down further to $5. So if you brought 12 people in, you could essentially have a phone service for $60 a year, but without compromising any of the quality or the experience. But that's, that's something that I'm really excited about as we evolve this business and continue to grow because again our members and the the feedback they've been giving us have been critical for all of the product roadmap and the experience and how we market things in the first place and now they're actually part of the growth engine of the business because they're the ones who are helping us bring other people into the membership experience. 
This is, this is so interesting. I mean, this takes an immense amount of listening and not only listening to the consumer and really observing their behavior, but also then to be agile and respond quickly to that in a way that makes sense from not just a marketing perspective, but the product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that process. And maybe you can touch on your remit as CMO, like what you oversee, how do you partner with people on the inside to make these things happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the team that I get to work with now has grown quite a bit in the three years or nearly three years I've been here. Um, and so it, it's, you know, I, I mean, this is something that I, I talk to other um, CMO friends about. And it's so funny, like we all have such different jobs, <laughs> depending on the business you're working on, the product or the life stage of, of the business. Um, and mine is, you know, it's, there's a core part of the CMO job that is pretty similar to kind of how uh, other marketers have their team structure. So inclusive of brand creatives um, and media analytics, social influencer and um, product marketing, which includes the consumer research and insights. Um, but also we have some parts of marketing that are unique to this business, such as device marketing and strategy, logistics and operations. Um, and, and the parts that are, are in some ways from a consumer perspective, you know, that there are different ways, right? People sign up for their phone service, which is you bring your existing phone with you to sign up for a new service, or you may very well be purchasing a phone from us to be able to sign up for a new service. So there, there are some aspects of this that are new to even myself that I've learned quite a bit and still learning from the experts that are on my team. But also there are parts of this um, business that I take inspiration from, like you said, my past experience of like having worked at YouTube and having grown respect for the creator community and how they ultimately connect with their communities and thinking about how do we then bring that into how we think about members um, for this business, which frankly is a utility. Yes, you come here for the network experience. You come here for the total sum of the value of what you're getting for your money and hopefully you want to stay here because of the way we treat you um, and how we talk to you and how we ultimately create the brand experience into the product experience. Because at the end of the day, we don't have contracts to tie people down with. So the mm-hmm. onus is on us to win your business every single month so that you stay with us. Um, so to answer your question about sort of the insights part of it and how does it impact the business, Yes, it's about the marketing messages and the positioning, the creative, the different campaigns that we think about, as was the case for this latest campaign that we have in market. Um, But also, how do we um, connect with the rest of the business who also sit in with us on all of the focus groups and listen in real time in, in the consumer feedback to influence ultimately how people experience our product, everything from customer service to the buy flow is part of the the overall marketing strategy. And because as a new brand, brand is um, your culture and your culture shows up in every single way in which you build your product and how you show up for your members. And, and while there are a lot of opportunities for us to think about how do we make what we have even, even better experience and therefore grow as a business, the hardest thing about, um, you know, having, again, a startup within um, this ecosystem is to focus, like mm-hmm. put discipline behind how you grow. So do fewer things better. 
Amen to that. That's like my <laughs> daily life. Um, <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and you guys have a new spot coming out, right? For the wireless mm-hmm. gets better with friends. Tell us, tell us yes. a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've, we've been creating sort of a series of ideas and community creatives to really bring this idea of, okay, wireless that really does get better with friends. So the first spot was gamers, um, speaking to the community of people who may be connected because they're professional or, um, really serious, uh, gamers, um, and, the next spot will be something that is around a little bit of an aspiration that we have right now of wanting to go away somewhere, but we can't, uh, but still putting all of our time and energy to training for the things that we eventually will want to do after the pandemic, which is around the idea of astronauts um, training right now on the ground. Um, and then the third spot will feature Kevin Bacon. Um, nice who, as you know, is is at the core of this idea of connection and community from- What is it, six, six degrees of connection? Exactly. I exactly. love it. That's so brilliant. <laughs> yes. So um, he's been such a wonderful partner for us and um, brought this idea back to life, but it's 12 degrees of Kevin Bacon because for us, they're 12 months in, in the year and people will be able to bring up to 12 different people in a year to be able to- um, um, save money through our referrals program. That's awesome. Well, that I can't wait to see that um, very soon here. And, you know, beyond visible and all the things you're excited about in your day to day, what about our industry? Yeah, um, I think our industry <laughs> always like pulls a rug from under us <laughs> every single time. At least I feel like I've learned something and I'm like, oh, okay, I got this. And then it just it changes, changes yep, out the all window. over again. <laughs> Whether it's like the way in which the data is tracked and attributed or how different social platforms work or how to think about the the overall marketing channels and the mix. So, um, I, you know, just, just like most of us, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with like new things that come out and ultimately like how do people interact with it? So, you know, one of the things that I've been um, doing is listening to a lot of clubhouse conversations <laughs> lately. It's just fascinating. Like the other day, you know, Grimes talking about her NFT drops and connecting with her fans and what does it mean and all kinds of visual artists to digital media experts and just coming together and and kind of sharing with us about what they've frankly been doing for the past 10 years that most of us are now starting to learn more about and how do you participate. Um, so anyway, that's that's something that I've been like really geeking out over in terms of the topics and the, the conversations that have been happening, but just the intimacy and and the realness of like, how people are are just being scrappy about like this is we're just gonna figure it out and, yeah and exactly. that feels very much in the spirit of now yeah well I was, we were talking about clubhouse a little bit when i um had sophie bambuck the cmo of everlane mm-hmm. just on a couple episodes ago and she said something really really that i i totally agree with that there's a lot of talk about the staying power of clubhouse is it just a trend and it's almost like who cares right now what it's doing is providing something that there's a need for there's clearly a need for people to connect in this new yeah. type of way um so i think it's cool all right let's let's talk a little bit about skill set and talent and kind of future proofing your team tell me how you're thinking about that Yeah. So, you know, when I look at kind of the roles that are new or people who will be new to the team, um, 
we have a very explicit conversation about, hey, look, like the job description and everything that we're telling you right now as to what the business needs in this role are probably like 75 to 80% figured out. Um, So we're looking for people who are first and foremost comfortable with the fact that there's actually 20 to 25% white space or, or opportunity for you to figure out what more can we do with this scope and how do you grow as a person in this role to help us grow as a business? Um, and, and that there be a very clear expectation up front of this is going to be an evolving journey. And that's, you know, one of the hardest lessons that I learned in my YouTube days, like where I mean, literally three days after I started my job changed. (laughs) So it was pretty shocking, but at the same time, going back to again, right? Like what are the the, the, the things that you care about as a person in this job that you came here for, does that still exist here? And are there different ways to do it, even though the job may have changed? And absolutely. And that's how I was able to ride through the journey that was right um, in, in that part of my, my career. And, and so I, I want to be able to set that expectation with people for a new and growing and startup business to be able to say, look, like this isn't for everybody, but, but if you do want these things, this is what we give to you. And here, this is a partnership. And, and so people who, tend to ask a lot of questions to learn, like, how does, how is it done? And why is it that way? And how should I think about my impact in in this role that may be different from how it used to be done or how it is usually expected to be done? Um, and, and people who are, are therefore collaborative, like they may have very specific skill sets, but in order for them to then figure out how does my 20% on either side that I don't really know how it's going to work out, connect to then the broader parts of the organization, whether it's within marketing or the rest of the business. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking for people who are curious in, in those aspects of like, not just your job, but can you actually see the big picture? Doesn't matter how mm-hmm. junior or senior you are in your role um, and be able to see yourself as part of this community of teams and figure out ultimately what more can you do with the parts that we think we know about this job and the role and its impact to the business. And how do you think about diversity of background, diversity of mm-hmm. thought, and outside of diversity in the traditional sense? How do you think about that for your team and ensure that you're really bringing in um, those different voices and perspectives? Yeah. So on a day-to-day basis, even outside of hiring and mm-hmm. recruiting, one of the things that I dedicate my team meeting to is an inspiration corner. And I'm sure everybody has different versions of this, but deliberately trying to bring in examples from other industries and brands and businesses that have something there for us to learn from. Either it's because they stumbled and they recovered well, or it's something that they did really well that that could be a model for how we do things as a marketing organization at Visible. And really trying to expand the horizon of where we take ideas from even with the people that we have here to be able to look at places that are outside and and less obvious. And so when therefore it comes to hiring, recruiting and developing talent, I think about that a lot too of like on paper, right? Like we usually 
scan things against the job description and see how much is there a match between this person and what they've done and, and what we need here. And there's always going to be an element of that uh, to a certain extent, but trying not to dismiss people's experience because it's not the most obvious thing mm-hmm. that fits with what we think we need, because that problem solving skills or the curiosity aspect of it actually might come across in a lot of different ways than what they've been able to do in their current roles or the industries or the jobs they've been in. And, you know, I, I, I try to um, think about that from my own experience of like, I, I almost didn't get the job at YouTube and, and because the initial feedback was, Oh, your background's largely in PR and not as much in marketing. And now I think about it, I'm like, mm, that, <laughs> but, <laughs> mm. uh, but, but I got, I got to do the interviews because somebody inside fought for me, like a friend right. of mine who submitted my resume actually went back to the, the HR and the hiring manager and said, look, like you should have a conversation. I, I get what you're saying based on what's on paper, paper yeah. but if you're looking for these kinds of things, you should have a conversation. Then that's what opened the door for me. So I think about that a lot for what other people have been able to do for my own path and career that wouldn't have happened if there were more people looking at right what's on paper and think like thinking beyond what's on paper to what could be right in people's experience to reflect the diversity and inclusion of the teams above and beyond representation. Yeah. And I think like a good tip, a good takeaway from that is even if you might not have a champion on the inside um, hmm. who, who can vouch for you, like, the the folks who are, you know, looking for a job right now or looking to change careers to advocate for themselves on those transferable skills and not have themselves out just because on paper, it doesn't match. Like um, there's a way to communicate that. I know it's hard, but I think about that too, because now it's like people are having so many crossover roles and I think brands and companies are more open to it now than, than ever before. So um, that's a really good tip. Um, And, you know, speaking of diversity, I just wanted to quickly touch on, um, we mentioned earlier, the recent town hall that you participated Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, for the AAPI community and just everything going on there, even outside of kind of diversity in the workplace. How how are you feeling right now with what's going on uh, within your community? Yeah. um, I mean, you know, I I think Heidi, the the forums that you and your team have provided us in many different shapes and forms, you know, it's funny, like we show up there and maybe it looks like to people, like we know exactly what we're doing and saying, and you've thought about it a lot. And like we have, but a lot of it is like real time processing of our feelings. And I just remember in the first town hall that we did um, with other Asian marketers, the, I think the question was like, what advice would you give to um, those of us who are just starting out and, and what you learned or what would you, what would you do differently? And like, we couldn't answer that question like right away <laughs> because in some ways I think um, at least speaking for myself, I'm still going through that journey myself of, well, what is it that I'm learning and how much more do I need to do? So you know, I, I got to tell you, like, one of the things that I haven't, I've, I've learned to be less shy about is um, what people typically associate as like negative feelings, mm-hmm. right? Like when people, when we talk about these tough issues, people usually say, well, 
I get it. That's how you feel. But let's try to move this conversation in a way that's positive and productive. And I agree, but there can't be true step change in how we talk about these things and the actions that come from it, unless you're willing to head on address the feelings that come with it. And why is it that, you know, people feel angry and frustrated and impatient about the progress we've, we've made, or we haven't been made or things, frankly, going backwards Mm -hmm. sometimes and, and really um, interrogate what, what is it that about the experience that brings these feelings that really become the foundation for how we talk about solutioning and more productive ways in which we move forward. So I, I've become more comfortable with making other people uncomfortable in these conversations so that we can really, really be able to talk about and do something about the issues that we care about that are so personal because diversity and inclusion and and I'm sure for you too Heidi like it's not a it's not a like a nice program like it's our way of living it's a lived experience for for a lot of us and so it's you know in some ways the the way in which we our role has been cast in in bigger contexts of societies or companies or organizations have also been in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to challenge that too. Like, okay, like if, if you want us to speak up more and if you want people whose personal experience is informing and influencing how and why we care about diversity, inclusion and equity at workplace and in our culture and society, then you gotta take all of this with you and not just the parts that feel nice for people to be able to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know it's, um, we always say when we gather, wish it was under better circumstances, but it is the circumstances that we're in. And it's, it's important to have those conversations. And I just can't thank you enough, you and the others for just bringing your thoughts, the rawness, the honesty. It's like you said, it's not like we gave you guys any time to prep. (laughs) It's like literally (laughs) the night before. And we just want to make sure we're, you know, at ad week, just that we're making sure that we kind of just provide that platform because these conversations need to continue. And, um, we we're trying our best to make sure we're, we're focused on raising the solutions as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for all that. Um, and you know, I want to ask you about your advice when you think about um, aspiring CMOs today or, or even those who may not even know they want to be CMO, but they're on mm-hmm. some sort of marketing journey, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, in, they're on their way. What advice can you share truly from your, your own experience? Yeah, um, I, I think the, it's, it's probably easier for me to say now looking back than to do in the moment, but I, I keep coming back to what I learned, especially in the last 10 years of how important it is to reprioritize, recalibrate around the things that matter to you as a person, including your personal life. Like, you know, if, if you, um, don't necessarily want the kinds of job that you're going to like wake up with like stress sweats in the middle of the night, like then don't take it. Like it's, it's, I think it's, we, we all like have lived and still to a certain extent to live with too much of other people's expectation of what we should do and who we should be and how we show up than what really matter to us 
as people and therefore what's the job or what's the title, what's the scope. And, um, and, and for me, you know, when I was saying yes to this job, the, the face value reason of, you know, having a CMO role was really scary. Like, oh, like now I'm going to have more visibility into my work. And what if I fail, then more people are going to be looking at me. And so there are more, cons in that column of like why would you want that but when I thought about it as like well why do you want it and for me the reason that I wanted to stretch my wings and get a bigger scope and influence the culture and have a seat at the table is to be able to use the craft that I am good at and that I love doing to be a part of hopefully a positive driver for the change that we want to see, like the diversity and inclusion conversation that we're having. So when I kind of came back to those personal motivations and the drivers that are here instead of out there, it became less scary and more logical. It's like, oh, it's not because of these, these are, these come with the job. It's not, you know, the titles and the money and and it's in and of themselves that I'm aiming for, but these things allow me to do what I really want to be able to deliver as impact as a human being in this job. I love that. Really, really good advice. Um, and you know, I, I have just two, well, more than two questions, but it's fun. It's, it's, we're getting, okay. we're getting close to the final question, but I do want to put you through a little speed round because I just right. love you so much. And I know you're going to have fun with me here. Okay. Let's do it. Let's go Minjay speed mm-hmm. round mm-hmm. favorite social media network. I, I can't quit Instagram. <laughs> Why can't I quit you? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay, emerging favorite clubhouse. I'm going to add that to your list. There you go. Um, there you go. Do you prefer texting or talking? Oh, texting. Okay. <laughs> What's a nickname you had growing up? Uh, so froggy, and in Korean, it's keguri. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I love that. Because uh, my so my Korean name, which is Kim Minje, I can't remember if this company still exists, but there's a there's a children's clothing company whose name was also Kim Minje when I was growing up, and their little logo was a froggy with a little like I don't know like a clover leaf in its mouth or something, and so that's the context in which that like other kids knew like what Minje meant, and so they all called me Kegudi. <laughs> Awesome. Um, I know you're a, a book nerd too. So all-time favorite book, if you had to pick one. Mm. Um, gosh, that's a hard one. Um, or you can do I'll, movie, favorite movie, if, if that's easier. That's actually harder, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> because you have too many? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I mean, I will say my husband makes fun of me all the time because you know I'm the like film school geek who went to NYU for a film degree but my my like favorite movies stretch from uh a separation which is an Iranian film from a few years ago that is it's 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 so visceral and beautiful and Sound of Metal was amazing from last year because it all has these elements that are like uses sound in a different way like separation doesn't have a soundtrack so it just makes you sit with the uncomfortable silence of the scenes and I just I just love that and I also love all of the like um disaster movies (laughs) 
love them. Like 90s disaster, those are the like best. Anything, especially the ones that are like uh, natural disaster. Oh yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Those are my favorite, yeah. like volcano and yeah. yeah, end of the world type stuff. Yeah. So yeah, my husband's always like, don't tell people that you went to NYU. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Okay, and then you know we we've come to our final question <sighs> that um, I'm I'm very curious, but this is going to be although I have an inkling. So mm. if you were not CMO visible today or a CMO at all, and you had all the talent and money in the world, what would you be doing? I have two answers for you. Um, one is back to my movie. Roots I, and I probably would be a producer nice. of some sort. Um, the other answer is uh, I have still aspiration to be some sort of a fashion person. <laughs> and I took this class at the JCC in New York City 15 years ago. Um, it was like a handbag making class. And uh and I, I went to this class and I had like a notebook full of like sketches and design ideas. And the teacher came around and she was like, your vision far exceeds your skill sets, my dear. <laughs> oh my God. That's not, that's so. not very nice. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she was right. Like was I couldn't cute. like sewing machine. I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this. And yeah. Wow. We've, we've all had the realists kind of crash our party at one point yes. in our career. Yikes. Well, all right. Maybe the producer thing can work out at your maybe, plan B. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Minjay. I had so much fun talking to you as always. And thanks for joining us on CMO Moves. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. <laughs> of course. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.